Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew, with this sermon entitled, Pigs Preferred, preached on July 2nd, 1995. If you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 8. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 8. In the bulletin, the title is given, Pigs Preferred. Now that is the content of the prayer of the Gadarenes. And in this week's sermon, we are going to speak to you about three prayers offered to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. One by the demons that filled this demoniac. The other, the Gadarenes, the materialists. Their prayer, of course, is leave us alone. We have no need. We don't need you. And the third is the prayer of a person who was saved by grace. I would like you to go home and read this story as recorded by the three gospel writers. Matthew, you find that in Matthew 8, 28 through 34. But the fullest account is found in the shortest gospel, Mark, chapter 5, 1 through 20. That is the longest account. Matthew's account is the shortest. And then Luke, chapter 8, 26 through 39. You should read it today when you go home. So you will get a fuller picture of this miracle the Lord Jesus Christ performed. By way of context, of course, Matthew introduced Jesus Christ to us in terms of his teaching, which he delivered on the mountainside, known as the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. And he told us that Jesus taught with authority, not the authority of a scribe, but the but divine authority, and people recognized it. That this Jesus Christ is the one who admits people into the kingdom of God and denies admission to people. Some of them he would say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And then in chapter 8, we see Jesus Christ performing miracles. He cleanses the leper. He le- heals the paralytic boy of the centurion. And he touches and heals the mother-in-law of St. Peter. And he performs many other miracles. And after that, he says, you know, I want to go on to the other side now to bring the gospel to bring the kingdom of God to people who are living on the other side, the southeastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And you notice, on his way to the other side, there was a great storm. The disciples were panicking. Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And by one word, he calmed the storm. And the sea, and they began to ask the question, what sort of a man is this who is able to calm the storm and the sea? To whom absolute obedience is rendered by nature. 
And as they were pondering this question, the boat arrived on the southeastern side of the Sea of Galilee, which was known as the region of the Gadarenes or Gerasenes. Originally, this area was occupied by the tribe of Gad and Manasseh and uh, Reuben. These were people who did not cross over Jordan. They wanted to settle on the east side rather than on the west side because they had a lot of cattle and they were interested in taking care of the cattle and they looked at the land and they saw a lot of grass and they said, this is the place we want to settle. We don't want to be very close to the temple, the place where God will put his name. They were interested in taking care of their cattle and they preferred to stay on the east side. Now, of course, in the third century BC, that all that area came under Greek influence. There were 10 cities, Greek free cities, where Gentiles dominated. And there was the Gentile culture. And part of that culture, of course, is to raise pigs. And I suspect that this is the place to which the prodigal son went. So that he could really throw off the restrictions of God's word and live a sinful life. There were ten such cities called Decapolis. Deca means ten. Polis means city. And only one was on the other side, of, that is on the west side of Jordan. This place called Scythopolis is now called Bethshan. Then there was Hippos and Gedera and Abila, Dion, Kanata, Pella, Gerasa, Philadelphia, and Damascus. There were ten Greek culture-dominated free cities. So Jesus went into this region on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. Why did he go there? Because God loves not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. God loves the world. God from all eternity has chosen many families of the earth. From every tribe, God has chosen eternally people to be saved. And this was already prophesied in the book of Isaiah, if you turn with me, chapter 9. And we read, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And here is Jesus Christ. According to the divine direction says, we want to leave now. I want to go on to the other side so that I could bring the light of the gospel, the light of eternal life to these Gentiles. 
Jesus came to the land of the Gadarenes to seek and save that which is lost. The second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, became incarnate. Not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And to give his life as a ransom for the elect of God. Even today, you could see the ruins of a town called Kersa near the southeastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus landed. As Jesus landed with the disciples, St. Matthew speaks about two demoniacs. Mark and Luke speak only about one, probably the dominant one. He had not worn clothes for a long time, we are told. He had a family. He lived in the city. But he was demon possessed. He became dangerous. People tried to control him by chaining him and putting fetters on his feet. But with supernatural powers, he broke all chains and burst open all fetters. They tried to bind him again and again and again. But being filled with multitude of demons, he had such power to break out of it all. Nobody could subdue him. Nobody can control him. He left his house and he left his town. He went into a solitary place on the southeastern side of the Sea of Galilee. He lived among tombs where people buried the dead. And you could see those caves, those tombs, even today. He would scream at night. And he would scream in the daytime. He was naked and restless. He was filthy. He had a foul mouth. He was fierce looking. He took stones and he would cut himself and gash himself. He was so dangerous nobody dared to take the road where he roamed. He was filled with the legion of demons, we are told. A legion is about 6,000. This man was not possessed of just one demon. But many demons took control of him and twisted his personality. His mind and his will and his emotions were controlled by these multitude of demons. Demons, who are they? They are unholy angelic beings who rebelled against God. Many of these unclean spirits are imprisoned in the abyss. We are told, you go home and read Jude 6. They are imprisoned there. And later on, they'll be taken out of there and be thrown into the lake of fire. And you read about that in Revelation chapter 20. But there are... Other fallen, unclean angels, haters of God, roaming around on this planet to devour those who hate God. These fallen, unholy spirits, beings, are roaming about on the earth as agents of Satan to stir up hatred against Jesus Christ. They possess human beings and animals. They control them. And the chief of these demons was called Beelzebub. And you know Jesus Christ was called by unbelievers who saw his powerful miracles and said, well, this Jesus Christ is Beelzebub. 
You know, even today there are many people, many unbelievers are demonized and demon possessed. And you see them. A lot of them in psychiatric wards. And then there are demon control people, nice people, philosophers and theologians and scientists. But they are all demon controlled. They have only one purpose. To stir up hatred against Christianity and against Jesus Christ. They hate God. Their purpose is to destroy especially human beings. Turning them away from trusting in Jesus Christ and be saved. Jesus said this in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy in the sense to send them to hell. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Life is eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Jesus Christ came to give life. The devil and the demons are interested in stealing and killing and destroying and twisting the image of God that is in human beings. Here are two demon-possessed human beings. One was more outspoken, I believe, than the other. And they revealed the doctrine of total depravity. Now let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Let's pick up what the doctrine of total depravity is all about. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at once, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Twisted. Controlled by the evil spirit. And this is, this is very, very real. Even nice, normal, sober human beings who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Here we are told they are controlled by this spirit. Politicians, theologians, philosophers, scientists, poor people, rich people. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man is not neutral. Let's understand that. This whole stupid idea of self-esteem and, and we are great and I'm okay, you are okay. Stupidity, it is pure nonsense. When you look at it from God's truth, it's pure nonsense. Man is an enemy of God. He hates God and his law. He is born a sinner, an enemy of God and he lives a life of enmity to God. Born an enemy and chooses to live an enemy of God. And that is the doctrine of total depravity. So that we can do nothing unless God in Jesus Christ comes to seek and save that which is lost. He's in company with the devil and his demons. And the truth, yet the truth is God loves sinners. And he has a wonderful plan for their salvation. And here is a a gruesome looking, dangerous, demonized, filthy, twisted, fierce looking, unsocial, scary, pathetic person. 
And Jesus Christ came and said what? He spoke. He commanded, we are told, parangelo. He commanded. Demons, come out of him. And the amazing thing, you see, the disciples are still working on his calming the storm in their head. And all of a sudden, there comes fierce looking, dangerous. And Jesus the son of God, the Lord of the universe. Not only the one who heals the diseases and calms the storm, but the one who is able to command and the demons come out. And demons did come out. Everyone. What's your name? The answer is legion. We are many. They all came out. And we are told that this man was sitting at the feet of Jesus used to be restless miserable wretched he cannot sit down for a moment there are some people like that they cannot sit down for five minutes and when you look at such a person there may be demon activity going on you cannot sit down and study for an hour or two or eight hours or work hard restlessness roaming the hills and the tombs Scaring people. But the first time in many years. He sits down. And not only that. Somebody gave him some clothes. He, I'm sure he asked for it. Because demon demoralizes you. It brings down your humanity. Takes away your dignity. I have news for people. Who are into X-rated stuff. These are demon possessed people. Wherever you see people who are stripping themselves, you see demon activity. They love it. But here you see the the immediate transformation. And he's looking for clothes. Somebody just gave some clothes. And he's clothed. And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then we are told with sound mind. Nobody can put you together. Devil comes and fragments you into thousand pieces of twisted personality. But Jesus Christ, the giver of life, and he comes and saves you, unifies you, integrates you, saves you, restores your personality, fills you with the Holy Spirit, and you have a sound mind. Let me tell you what a sound mind is. He got a better mind than he had before demons came into him. Let's understand the mind of a person who is an unbeliever. It is a twisted mind. Because the right mind trusts in Jesus Christ. Right mind looks to Jesus Christ. Right mind thinks God's thoughts after him. That is healthy mind. Not the one who gets a Nobel Prize or a PhD and and runs around that he is the greatest guy in town. I have no respect for all these people. But I have respect for a person who submits his mind to Jesus Christ. And here, the the person was transformed. And God put the Holy Spirit in him. See, you have not received a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? Power, love, and what? Sound mind, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Sitting down, the feet of Jesus clothed 
and in his sound mind. Let me tell you, that is salvation. This Jesus has come here today to save the elect of God. Now let's look at these three prayers very quickly. Let me ask you, what will be the prayer you are praying to Jesus Christ? It will be one of these three. First is the prayer of demons. And you find that in Luke chapter 8 verse 31, Matthew 8 verse 30, and Mark 5 verse 10. This is the conversation of demons with Jesus Christ. It says, what to you and us? In other words, we have no relationship with you. We are your enemies and you are our enemies. We have no interest in you, Jesus Christ. We hate you. But let me tell you, every demon and every devil is under sovereign control. No demon can move unless God, the Almighty, permits him. And therefore, we are told, yes, the demon says, you are son of God. (laughs) Demons are orthodox. They have right doctrines, isn't it? There are a lot of churches that are orthodox. That doesn't make them Christians. You, the demons have this knowledge. You see in Mark chapter 1, a demon saying, Jesus of Nazareth, you are the son of God, the Holy One. They understand it. They have spiritual knowledge. They are not omniscient, but they do know a lot more than we do. Look at the liberals, the rationalists. They look into the book and they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. The demons do believe it. Demons also believe that Jesus Christ is the judge. He says, are you coming to us before our time to torture us? They know a day is fixed by God. That these demons and the devils and every unbeliever be tortured. That's not sound theology. God is a nice person. He wouldn't torture anybody. You just wait and see. You just wait and see. You go home and read Revelation 9 verse 5, 14 verse 10 and 11, 18 verse 7, 10 and 15. And read Revelation chapter 20. There is real torment and real torture. By this Jesus Christ he is going to be judging. And there is a day that is fixed for it. Not only for the devil, not only for the demons, but everyone who refuses to put his trust in Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, there is no salvation plan for fallen angels. Isn't that interesting? Absolutely none. There were some angels who did not fall, and they are in the presence of God. Other angels did for, but there is no God's plan of salvation for fallen angels. But there is one for human beings. And so, so he says, please, if you, want, if you are asking us to come out, which is what you are trying to do, but please, and, and the Greek says, they begged him again and again and again. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus Christ is the Lord. Pray to him again and again. Please send us. Not away from this region. But into these pigs. And God permitted. Let me tell you. There is no ethical problem here. The earth. 
is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And Jesus Christ wanted to send a message. And that is this. You are pig worshippers. You are materialists. And I'm going to touch your pigs. He has the authority to do that. There is no ethical problem here at all. And Jesus Christ. And then he says. What have we to do with you? We hate you. You hate us. That is the prayer. But please, not send us to torture right now. You have the power to do it. But please, 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 let me roam around a few more areas in this place. There are more people in this town who are pig worshippers. I want to distort them, confuse them, twist them, demonize them. That was the prayer. And the prayer was granted. And second prayer is the prayer of the materialists. The herdsmen or the pigs, they went and told the owners, you know, there's a guy who came in a boat. And this demonized man went to him. And all of a sudden, this man spoke a word. And he was transformed. And he's sitting down, clothed. And in his sound mind. But let me tell you something else happened. The demons came out of him and went into the pigs. And they're all destroyed. 2,000 pigs. Even if it's 100 pounds. Meat, that's about 200,000. Is that true? That is bad. I mean, we have to get rid of this guy. And so the whole town, we are told, came. And what was their prayer? We prefer pigs. I'm sure they had slogans. <laughs> and they had demonstration. And they had all. We prefer pigs. We understand that you destroy pigs. We want you to go away. Leave us alone. We love our life of ease and pleasure. And luxury. We don't care about our soul. We don't believe in hell. We don't believe in anything. We don't believe in final salvation. We are happy. We have no need. We are rich. We have more pigs and you will destroy. So please leave. Is that what you have Pray to Jesus Christ, you young person, you older person, what are you praying? A lot of Christians, they come to Jesus Christ and say, please increase my pigs. That's what they pray. Isn't that true? Give me more money. We worship mammon and the pleasure that comes from mammon. Mammon means money. Oh God, give me more money. Let me assure you, money will not save you. And I ask you, go ahead and make money. And then come and tell me after 15 years whether that saved you. It doesn't. I think the Gadarenes are like Americans. Like the Westerners. We are steeped in materialism. We love pleasure. We love entertainment. We love luxury. We love better beds. We love better everything. And concerning spiritual things, we are almost passive and dead. But we are active in, in reference to pigs. Give me more pigs. Is that your prayer? You see these people understood that this Jesus was not just an ordinary man. He was Lord. He was God. He was the son of God. He was the one who is able to command the demons to come. See they tried to control this man and they couldn't. They understood that Jesus was not just an ordinary man. The text tells us that. 
Go and tell what the Lord has done for you. And Luke says, go and tell what God has done for you. They understood it all. But they said, yes, I understand. You are more than a man. That you have power. You have authority to command and heal and restore and destroy. But I, we don't want you. We have no need. We hate salvation. We prefer pigs. Please go away before you destroy the rest of our pigs. You go home and read. Let's maybe read the Luke chapter 17. Very simply let us read. Beginning with verse 26. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. This completely, this worldly life preoccupied with the pigs and temporal life. Absolutely no interest in salvation in the kingdom of God in the coming of Christ. It was the same way in the days of Lord. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lord left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. And in verse 32, remember Lord's wife. This idea that somehow peace, somehow money will save us. No, no, no. May God give you less money than more money. If that will help you to turn to Christ and pray. God, do not leave us alone. Save me, oh God. Save me. Oh, these people said, well, we don't worry about hell. We don't care for heaven. And it's an amazing thing. Jesus complied to their request. The request was granted. The request of demon was granted. The request of the materialist was granted. But now comes this man's prayer. The sinner that was saved by grace. You see, he was not seeking Jesus Christ and praying to him, please save me, I'm twisted. No, nobody can do that. Salvation is by grace through faith. Unless the Holy Spirit, through the miracle of regeneration, make us alive. We cannot pray a prayer. That is salvation by grace to faith. But this man was saved, transformed, integrated. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with peace. And he has a prayer. And you read it. And the prayer is stated in Mark chapter 5 verse 18. And if you are a Greek scholar, it says, Hina metau tu e. This is the prayer that I may be with you. He's not even thinking about his family in the city. Or anything else that I may be with you. To learn from you. To express my gratitude to you. To serve you. To worship you. Because I understand that you are not just a man. You are God. You are Lord. And you came all the way from heaven. You came through the storm to seek me. This distorted, stupid, twisted, undignified, fierce looking, crazy madman. You came to love me and save me. I want the rest of my life to be with you. That ought to be our prayer. Lord. I'm not interested in pigs. I don't, I'm not interested in anything else. 
I love you and to be with you. That's eternal life. Eternal life is relationship with God. The unsaved runs away from God. The saved runs toward God. Looking for that time when we can see him face to face. Mental health. Mental health this man has. First time in his life. And he could think about God. For which we are created. We are created so that we can think about God. But first time in his life, he put his mind to think about God. And he understands God and he says, "What? I want to be with you. That's a good prayer. But Jesus Christ is saying, you don't have to be with me. I will fill you with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to send you back into this miserable, wretched, materialist of Gadari because I love some of them still. Therefore, I want you to go. And it says what? That and tell them. Go to your home and go to your friends and tell them what? What the Lord has done for you. What God has done for you. What Jesus has done for you. You know, if you are a Christian, you have a message. And what is the message? What Jesus Christ has done for you. He had a good story, isn't that true? Our story is not all this dramatic. But it is still real. We were twisted. Enemies of God. Violent. Unholy. Rebellious. But God in his grace came and saved me. We have a story to tell. And he says, you know, you don't have to be with me. I'll put my spirit, in other words, in you. And you know what he did? He went, we are told, and he spoke not only to his wife, and I'm sure his wife was pretty happy to see the guy. And let me tell you, nobody can fix your marriage unless Jesus Christ. He's the only one can fix it. This unsocial person, this person who hated his wife and children, this person probably who abused his, his family and friends, all of a sudden healed and restored. And can you imagine the reception he received in his family, his children coming and wife coming, or understand? And he said, wait a minute, don't get all excited. Let me tell you the story. I was just naked and violent and all of a sudden I saw a boat coming and I ran to the boat and there came a man and he cast out my demons from me and this is Jesus Christ Jesus saved me and I'm sure they trusted in Jesus Christ then he said I'm going to tell the my city people and then we are told he went to the Decapolis meaning what all ten Greek dominated cities This is God's plan for Gentile salvation. He went and everywhere he told the story. Some of them knew him. (laughs) Oh, you cannot explain this in any other way. Now tell me, who is this Jesus? And you go home and read the book of Acts chapter 9. It speaks about, verse 31, it speaks about churches in Galilee in the New Testament times. And I suspect that as a result of this man, churches began to come to be. What is what is your prayer? Is your prayer same as demons prayer? What is it? I have nothing to do with you and you have nothing to do with me. Is that what it is? Or is it the prayer of the materialists? 
I prefer pigs. You are dangerous. You come to upset our life. Jesus comes always to disturb our life. Isn't that true? The life of ease and life of luxury. The life of so-called temporal peace and affluence. He disturbs it. He touches your pigs and all of a sudden pigs are gone. And the purpose of your, his touching your pigs is what? That you may what? Cry out to God. You may think about your soul and say, Oh God, have mercy upon me. What's going to be your prayer? Jesus, I understand you are God, you are Lord, you are great, you have power, you have authority. But leave us alone in our nice life. Don't disturb us. Is that what it is? Or is the prayer of the third one? Lord, I'm glad you came. Hallelujah, I'm glad you came. See, I ran away from society. I ran away from my home. And you came seeking this wandering sheep all the way into these tombs. And I thank you for saving me. And I have a request. I want to be with you for the rest of my life. You see, Jesus Christ went away. Isn't that true? He ascended into the heavens. He is seated on the right hand of God the Father. But he has sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes into us. So that we can be with God. God with us. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be what? With you you always in the end of the ages. Lord Jesus, by his Spirit, is with you. I want you to go and tell the story. Because though the Gadarenes and the people of Decapolis turned their back on Jesus Christ, though they preferred pigs and materialism and temporal affluence, God still loves them. And so he leaves a witness to Jesus Christ in the middle of it. You know, somebody said about the Gadarenes prayer, this is what... A poet says, Rabbi, be gone, thy powers. Bring laws to us and ours. Our ways are not thine. Thou lovest men, we swine. Oh, get thee hence omnipotence and take this fool of thine, his soul. Who, what care we for his soul? What good to us that thou hast made him whole since we have lost our swine? Are you pig worshippers? May God have mercy upon you. Are you worshipping the temporal world? May God, God have mercy upon you. Soon we will die. May God give you an understanding of your soul. An understanding of eternity. May you pray, oh Jesus, I'm a sinner. That's what I am. I'm a sinner. I'm twisted. There's no question about it. But I thank you for becoming incarnate. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I trust in you. Lord Jesus, save me. That would be a good prayer. And those who are saved, pray this prayer. What is it? That I may be with you. And then he tells you what? I'll be with you. But go and tell your story. Do you have a story? 
You see, if you have a story, you will tell it with conviction, with passion. Especially this story. Isn't that true? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you have mercy upon us. And John says, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So God, we pray that you remove from us love for pigs and love for this world. Lord, may we call upon your name and say, save us. And the Bible says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And those who are saved, O God, may they be so diligent in doing one thing. That is, go and tell what the Lord has done for you. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.